0: I'm very honored to be here. I want to compliment you, beloved, that you've given your pastor a sabbatical. I appreciate that you're willing to do that to affirm your love and support for him. Pastors go 24 7. And speaking as one who's been in ministry for a long time, since 1989, and some of you weren't born, but let me, it was a good time, okay? Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, when you grieve, he grieves. When you hurt, he hurts. When you rejoice, he rejoices. There, it, I know your pastor really well, and, and God's given you uh, a good pastor and a good staff, but it's nonstop. It's 24-7. Pastors don't have an off switch. It's not a nine-to-five job. You know, when When we go home, for example, back when I was pastoring, I I never had an off switch. I would always lay out a change of clothing even if I got caught out in the middle of the night because that was ministry. That was how things went when I was in full-time pastor. And that's how it is for your pastor, Josh. So I want to thank you for doing what you're doing. You're setting an example. And yes, I would tell other church leaders in our association to follow an example and acknowledge and give their respective pastors and staff that time off because it will do wonders for him to recharge his batteries recharge his, his mind emotionally mentally and physically as well but here's what i also want you to do and i, I appreciate what chris said a moment ago about you know not bothering him but here's what i want to you know i want you to think about doing this and that is by the end of this month i want you to pray about maybe just bombarding his office with encouraging cards so that when he comes back on august one he'll know that he was missed that you were praying for him that you're affirming that, you know, you thank God for him and his family, and that'll mean a lot to him. Also, uh, if you served in Camp Schaefer, uh, would you stand for just a moment, please? Any, any of those that served in Camp Schaefer? Thank you. I see. On behalf of the association, thank you. Thank you for giving of your time. Some of you, uh, which amazes me you take vacation time to do that are you crazy but no i mean <laughs> but, but now I, when i when i heard that i'm thinking these you know this is why i love that camp so much is because these are some of the most dedicated volunteers i've ever encountered in my ministry and I, I i may yeah i may be partial but i know them i know the the sacrifice the dedication they give to uh, our students those two weeks so God bless you. And, brother, I saw, saw you Chris has grown a whole lot. Uh, he really has. I mean, uh, in the years I've known him, uh, he's, he's really blossomed out. Grace, you've been good for him, all right? But, uh, but all kidding aside, the brother has grown tremendous. It's, it's a joy. You're very fortunate to have the staff that you have here, and I thank God. And also uh, Sunday school is excellent. Good job, teacher. It was a good time of fellowship. If you're not plugged into a Sunday school here let me encourage you to do so that's where you gain the support system that you need in times of need uh, in moments of life and uh, that was a very good class on Jeremiah 18 and reminding us that God's sovereign so let me just throw that out get plugged in don't just let this be the only hour you attend here on Sunday mornings uh, you would do well to do a Sunday school as well or small group study and I am very honored to be your association mission strategist. I thank you very much that you participate with 51 other churches in the Lincoln Association of Baptists. Our association is about over 120 plus years old, and you are one of the 52 churches that make up our association. Yes, each church is autonomous; that is self-governing. But 52 churches come together for the glory of God and serve in ways that benefit the glory of God and encourage one another. In our time of need, for example, because of churches like you, I'm able to network and help churches in, in time of need, whether it's training or churches finding staff or staff finding churches. Also, because of churches like you, we partner together in the area of missions. For example, we have sent teams to Mayfield for disaster relief. We've sent them to Oñeda. We've sent them to New York City. We sent them to Alaska. We we go wherever God leads us to go, but we do so together. Because we're better together than we are apart. And the other thing that allows me to do because of your prayers and your support is I'm able to be there for pastors and staff in their time of need. Uh, as some would say, I'm the pastor's pastor. That's what they say. I, I don't know about that. But yeah, I come a long time and you know, and encourage them and, and help them in their time of need and be there for them. And so I could not do that without churches like you believing in this association and believing and working together. This morning, God has laid on my heart to share with you our prayer but God's timing. Our prayer but God's timing. And if you have your Bible hardcover or the one that glows in your lap there, turn to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through following. But let's take a moment and talk with God. Will you bow your head in your heart with me, please? Father, we lift up Pastor Josh and his family. We pray, Father, that this month, would be one of renewal, refreshment for him and his loved ones, that your Father recharging this dear man of God. We thank you, Father, for all that he does, not only in Tunnel Hill, but throughout the association and the community. And we pray that this is indeed time well spent with you, uninterrupted time, that he has this quality time just to where he hears you continually and is encouraged and convicted by your spirit and what he needs to do. We pray, Father, for this church, Lord, that you will continue to bless her and minister to her and help her to continue to be a light and a beacon throughout this community. We thank you, God, for the testimony of Tona Hill and how she serves you in so many ways, so many capacities, and is a reputation of all of her dedication to you. And I pray, Father, for those who are traveling this week uh, do the holiday that you give them safe travels, those who may have to do some storm to re- removal throughout this week. We pray, Father, for their safety. We also pray, Father, now that each and every heart that's here, that you would hear their hearts as they draw near to you, and that they would hear your heart, and that they would be encouraged, and that this might be the moment, like it was with Cornelius, where they hear from you. In Christ's name, amen. Beloved, you come in here every Sunday. Sunday after Sunday, you come in here. Some of you have your same pew, your same spot. That's yours. I get that. I've been doing this for a while. And every Sunday, you come in here and you talk with God. Every Sunday, you come in here with a hope and prayer that this might be the Sunday, this might be the moment where God answers your specific prayer request. I want to encourage you to continue to do that, and I am joining with you in praying for that. What we're going to learn out of this passage today... Is that you and I should never ever, regardless of the obstacles, regardless of challenges, that we, you and I, should never ever cease praying to Almighty God. We should never ever stop or give up on praying to Almighty God, because we're going to see out of Acts 10 this morning that God hears our prayers. That God hears every prayer that you and I have ever prayed. God will hear that prayer. Don't don't miss that. Don't mistake that whatsoever. God is going to hear everything that you've said to him we're going to see out of acts chapter 10 here that it was god's timing yes Cornelius was praying had been praying but it was god's timing and by looking at this example in acts chapter 10 here we're going to see the following about Cornelius: we're going to see one that he was a man who revered god we're going to see that he was a man who had a faithful prayer life and his faithful prayer life was rewarded once to him one afternoon at three o'clock we're going to also see that this man who revered God, who had a faithful prayer life, stepped out on faith and did exactly what God called him to do, every detail. And then we're also going to see, praise be to God, that he and his household, his, his family and friends around him, became Christians, the saving lives of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at the Luke, uh, what Luke describes for us as corny. Look at verse ten, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 1 and following here. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Now, what do we learn about this man? Well, Luke tells us that he was a centurion, which meant that he was a captain of over 100 men and that he was a man of power, that he was a man of influence, that he taught his family. He was a good family man. He taught his family to revere God. He taught... Also, that it's important to give to charity. He would give alms to the Jewish people. He would give to charity. And then it says this, and he prayed continually. This indeed was a good man. And and we unfold his story. Some of you sitting here thinking, you know, maybe I see a a lot of myself in Cornelius. I mean, you might have a position of power. You may have people underneath you. You may have a great reputation in this church and this community. You may teach your children your home to revere God. You may be a person of prayer. You may give to charities like this church or to Camp Schaefer, where the case may be. You may have all these things going for you, and that's all well and good. And it's good to possess good moral traits. But listen very carefully. Good moral traits will not put you in right standing with God. You need something else. You need someone else in your life as we're going to unfold this story. Yes, it's good to revere God. Cornelius was a man who revered God. But also this, Luke says this to us, that he was a man who believed in prayer. In verse 3 and following, about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. Now he prayed, Luke tells us, continually. He had developed a systematic prayer life. Those who have ears, let them hear. It's important that you and I have a systematic prayer. Prayer life. Whatever works best for you, develop and maintain a prayer life. This man of influence and of power had a continuous prayer life, a systematic prayer life. He was praying at what would be our three o'clock in the afternoon, which is ninth hour for them. How do we know that? Because the Bible says, for example, in Acts chapter three, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour. The hour of prayer. So Cornelius apparently had adopted this Jewish pattern of talking with God of praying, and at three o'clock on this particular afternoon, he is praying to Almighty God. If I was to ask you in your sermon note bulletin there, define for me your understanding of prayer. What would you write down? How would you describe prayer? What would you if if somebody was to ask you? this week maybe you, you run into somebody at the fourth of july barbecue or picnic and they see you pray return thanks for your meal before you eat it and they go what are you doing well i'm praying well, what is prayer how would you define prayer to a non-believer how would you tell somebody what you were doing in a way that they would understand it and how valuable is prayer to you how how important is talking to god for you Cornelius was a man who revered god he had a continuous faithful prayer life we see that here the bible teaches us that prayer is a time when you and i open ourselves up to almighty god that we agree with what god is wanting to say to us it's it's bearing our heart or opening everything about us and yes it's also listening to what god has to say to us and sometimes we don't want to admit what he says to us but we'll get to that in just a second He had a constant prayer time. And what he shows us in this passage is this. Had he not been praying, had he not maintained a a constant, continuous prayer life, he would have missed out on the following in this passage. Look at this passage. He would have missed out, for example, on the angel's visit. Angels are messengers of God. He would have missed out if he'd not maintained that 3 o'clock prayer time. He would have missed out on hearing Peter's sermon of salvation. He would have missed out on his salvation, and those around him become Christians. He would have missed out on having think about this: his name written in the Word of God. But all these blessings and many more came because why? He maintained his prayer time, his prayer life with God. Now, beloved, do you see the importance of maintaining that, that quiet time with God? We Miss out on so many things. What is it that the hymns, you know, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what things we need and needless things we bear. All because what? We don't carry to God in prayer. We miss out on so much if we get so busy with our schedules that we cut God out and that we don't maintain our quiet time with him. It's, look, he says to us in this example here, the benefit of having a strong prayer life. A a solid prayer time with Almighty God. Because you and I never know what God has to say to us or do with and through us unless we do what? We spend time talking and listening to him. We also see here the unfolding of God's grace. How so? Because God had heard all his prayers. And God, on this particular day, answered his prayers. That's an act of grace. Why do I say that? Because God doesn't have to, we don't deserve anything that God gives us. Anytime that God answers our prayer, anytime God shows up in our life and does something for us, that's a sign of grace. And beloved, when God answers our prayers, that's great. He doesn't have to answer our prayers. We are completely, as we learned this morning in Sunday school, that's a uh, public notice, okay, for next Sunday morning, 945. Hello, class. All right, 945. Write it down. What are you going to do 945 next Sunday? Thank you. Half of you are going to be there. The other half, we're going to pray for you, okay? But, but this, this is so crucial here. He shows grace because God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. But he, he does what he does for us in this context. Why? Because he loves us. He loves every one of us. Now, Cornelius is a man who who revered God. He's a man who maintained a faithful prayer life with God. And now Luke's going to show us that, yes, on this particular time, he was rewarded. If you would look at verse 4 and following. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it? Lord and he said to him your prayers and make note of that in verse 4 we'll come back to that in a moment your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon who's also called Peter he's staying with a tanner named Simon whose house is by the sea Now, Cornelius recognized that God spoke to him who is it Lord He, he knew that God was involved in this Now, are we that spiritually sensitive to God's leading that we know, beyond any doubt, God's speaking to us? Now, the angel says that his what? His prayers have ascended as a memorial before God. Old Testament language here, basically, he's saying that your prayers, your gifts of charity have arisen as a sweet, saving sacrifice to Almighty God. Now, here's something I want you to take note. All the good things... All the good deeds, all the kind gestures that you do for others, God takes note. For those, for example, who spent the last week or two weeks at Camp Schaefer, and you did some stuff for the children and youth, and you go, but you did it because why? You loved them, and they may not have appreciated or felt none of it, but God did. God took note of everything that the chaperones did those last two weeks. Anytime that you and I go and do something good for somebody else, it's not in vain because God sees it here. I mean, sometimes you may go over and above the call of duty. It might be in this church you you labored above and beyond the call of duty last month for Vacation Bible School. It may be that you do above and beyond the call of duty at work. You may make sacrifices for your children and grandchildren, and in some cases those sacrifices go underappreciated, and yes, it hurts, but here's the good news. Everything that you do, every kind deed, every good gesture, God notices. How do we know that? Because he says it here. God sees when you're doing good. And we should do good. Do good so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Paul reminded the, the church at Galatia of this following truth. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Now, let that sink in. Because there may be some ministries at times in this church, and you may be the only one that shows up. Or maybe a few of you show up to do something, maybe canvassing the neighborhood, maybe uh, you know, doing some mission project in the church. And there was like 20 people that signed up, and only two or three showed up. that can take it out of you if you let it. But don't let it. Paul says, let us not lose heart in doing good. Why? Then he says this. For in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary. In due time. What you and I do, we do it all for the glory of God. And in due time we will reap if we don't grow weary, if we don't get tired, if we don't go, well, what's the use? Nobody else is going to help me. No, that's not what Paul says. It's what the Bible says. We will reap if we don't grow weary. Cornelius had been doing good. He'd been given alms. He's a Gentile. He's given alms to the Jewish people. He's giving to charity, to the Jewish people who were different race. And been, that was his lifestyle. That was his reputation, so says Luke. God took notice of all the good. they. God takes notice of all that you're doing. And on this particular afternoon, he answers his prayer and he tells him exactly what to do. God told Cornelius through this angel exactly what to do, where to go next, who to see. Even the details of where Peter was. He's at this house. He's at Simon the Tanner's house. You're sitting here and you're in your pew and you're praying right now. And it might be something that you've been praying about and praying about, or it may be something that's happened in the last day or two and it matters to you. Well, it matters to God. He hears every prayer, every word of your prayer. And you know what, as we see here, He even takes care of the details. Yeah, we may be praying general stuff, but God says, bless your heart, you forgot this, but I'll take care of it. He takes care of all the details, which means you and I don't have to worry. God's going to take care of all the details. And guess what? God will answer our prayer when, according to his perfect timing, which is always best. And some of us have learned that the hard way. Some of us have learned from experience. And some of us are going, I'm glad he didn't answer that prayer. That's a different sermon for another time. It's basically like God is saying, Cornelius, you've been praying for a long time. Well, here's what you need to do next. And beloved, he might be saying to you this morning through this word or through his spirit to you. You've been praying for this for a long time. Well, here's what you need to do next. But are you willing to do what to do next? See, Cornelius was a man who revered God. He had to maintain a prayer life, faithful prayer life. And on this particular time, his prayer life was answered. But now, he has to take a step of faith. And God may be leading you to take a step of faith. You want a prayer answer? Here's your prayer answer. But you're going to have to obey what I ask you to do. Look at, me at verse 7. Cornelius obeyed. When the angel who was speaking to him had left... He summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. This soldier did exactly what the supreme commander God told him to do, every detail. Because his obedience at this level, at three in the afternoon, was going to take him to the next level, but he didn't know what that next level was going to be yet. And you and I don't always know God's big picture for us. We walk by faith, not by sight. And in our prayer life, when God speaks to us, we have to obey him. Even what? Even if it's something that we don't like to hear, i.e., Jonah. I and mean, read that story about running away from God. God may be, yeah, you've been praying and God said, okay, here's your answer. And we go, <laughs> I didn't want to hear that one. Can, you, can God, you know, give me, no, it's no plan B. This is the prayer answer. And you and I are called of God, challenge of God, to step out on faith, obey him at this level, and bless you, 1155 on July the 2nd, in order to get to the next level in our walk with him. Now, had Cornelius been disobedient, had he been disobedient and not sent a delegation to Joppa, his relatives, his friends, they would not have heard Peter's salvation message. They would have missed out on the descending of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand the importance of doing exactly and specifically what God leads you to do this very moment and take it by faith? The proverb says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, not some of them, all your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? He will direct your path. And Cornelius is doing that. And because he did that, we now see that Cornelius heard, and he and his friends heard the plan of salvation. And it's beautiful. Sometime when you get a chance, go back and, and just pray over this passage and, and let God speak to you. Because in verse 30 and following, Cornelius said, Four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer, we'll come back to that in a second, has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who's also called Peter, to come to you. He's staying in the house of Simon, the tanner, by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you've been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all present before God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord. Now Luke tells us that he was a man of faith, great reputation." did good for the community, as we see here. He was a man of power, man of prestige. He was a man who taught his family to revere God. Men, we are called of God, exemplified by God, as you see here, to be the spiritual leader in our homes. And yet with all this going for Cornelius, we get a sense that he knew that there was something or someone missing in his life. I mean, when you look back at this passage, it could be that that afternoon at 3 o'clock when he was talking to God, he said, God, I'm sensing that my life is incomplete. And the reason I suggest that is because when you look ahead at Peter's sermon, verse 34 and following, Peter's sermon is talking about the atoning ministry of Jesus Christ. Luke gives us the highlights of this evangelistic message. In other words, what we see happening here is that Peter's giving a salvation, the plan of salvation, the gospel message to Cornelius. And before he even speaks, finishes speaking, by the way, this is a pastor's dream or a counselor's dream at Schaefer. That before we even finish, there's evidence that the Holy Spirit is moving among the people. And Peter and his Jewish friends that were with him are in this room, and they see the movement of Almighty God's Spirit among these Gentiles. Grace in action. And what this passage is about, in addition to prayer, is that God's grace knows no only prejudice. The people that we sometimes have a hard time connecting with or relating to for whatever reason, the gospel's for them. God's grace is for them. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter their skin color. It doesn't matter their nationality. None of that matters because there are no barriers like we have in our lives. The gospel goes to all people. And this story tells us that. It unfolded because a God-fearing man kept a prayer life at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And his testimony is one for all time about the marvelous grace of God. Sunday after Sunday, beloved, you come in here to worship God. You come in here with your prayer request. You come in here with maybe with some burning in your heart. And you, you sit, hopefully, God, will this be the day? God, will this be the day that that loved one comes to the saving lives of Christ? God, will this be the day you, that our marriage is saved? God, will this be the day? Will this be the day? Cornelius' story has many lessons for us. But one of the lessons it also shows us is that we don't quit on God. We don't give up hope on God. Child, listen very carefully, child of God. As long as there's a God in heaven, there's hope. And that's what we see here. And God hears all our prayers. How do we know that? Because look, you know, go back and look at verse 4. This is important. The angel in giving this message to Cornelius from Almighty God, that was his responsibility, and he sent from God. He says in verse 4, prayers, plural. In other words, God had heard all of Cornelius' prayer, but when you look at verse 31, Cornelius is just thinking about that one prayer afternoon at 3 o'clock. No, God has heard all of our prayers, but will we recognize his answer when it comes? God sent an angel to Cornelius as a messenger. But when he dealt with Peter, he sent the Holy Spirit. For some of you, this Bible that you're holding right now is God's message to you. God's going to take a verse or word or phrase out of this passage, perhaps, or one that you read in Sunday school or else, and he's going to speak to you. Are you going to recognize it? We're sitting here this morning, and the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Are you going to listen? Are you going to be sensitive? Do you recognize it? when He comes, when He speaks to you. It could be this morning that you're beginning your relationship with God. Like Cornelius says, you you need to agree with God about your standing with Him. You may be a good person, and that's fantastic, but you're not in good standing with God until you're in good standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how does that happen? You agree with God that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. All of the sin, yes, everybody has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And the wages, that which we have coming due to us, is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is where it begins. We agree with God that we're sinners in need of the Savior. And we. We just don't say, God, I'm sorry, God. No, we mean business with God. We have to give evidence that we're willing to change. Anybody can say we're sorry. The actions, though, the evidence that, yes, we're willing to do what God calls us to do, as we see here with Cornelius. And that's called repentance. The Bible says we need to repent and return to God that our sins may be wiped away. And you believe what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. You've heard John three sixteen, Yes, and that whosoever surely meaneth you. And then you confess him as Lord. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with a mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. And when you do that, you're on the right relationship, the road of eternity with Almighty God. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to step out and trust whatever God's leading you to do? Maybe your particular prayer request does come from this passage. Maybe it comes as the Spirit's leading you right now. Will you, like Cornelius, and step out on faith and do what God's called you to do? I mean, think about it for just a second. Look at this story in Acts chapter 10 and ponder the following. Had Cornelius not been obedient to God when he says, I want you to send for Peter at Joppa? If if he'd not been obedient, what then? If, If Cornelius had not revered God, taught his family to revere God, what then? And what about us? Whatever God's saying to us this morning, if we're not willing to step out on faith and trust him, what could happen not just to us, but maybe to those around us? Because the way we live our life has a ripple impact on other people around us. So where are you in this story? And above all, where is God in your story? I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to have a time for you to respond. Uh, that's an invitation giving you opportunities as a worshiper to respond to God's leading. I'll be here at the front to pray with you. The altar is going to be open. Others may, leadership may come and stand here to receive you. But the main thing that you need to do is do exactly as Cornelia showed us, whatever God leads you to do, whatever He's saying, would you step out on faith and trust Him? You bow your head and your heart with me as we talk with God. Almighty God, we thank You that You've given us this story of of grace, of not giving up on You. We pray, Father, that we are not losing hope, that we're not growing tired or weary. Hear the prayer once again of these who've gathered this day. Draw near to them, we pray. Draw near to us so that we will be able to do exactly what you want us to do. And thank you for taking care of all the details, things we've not even thought about. And we pray, Father, that this is the moment that someone says yes to Jesus, that this is a moment where somebody says, I'm going to be like Cornelius. I'm going to step out on faith. I don't know what the next step holds, but I know who holds me. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand please?